Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. What is the importance of the character of Lady Catherine de Bourgh in Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice? Now, Lady Catherine is perhaps one of the best-known characters in Pride and Prejudice. Um, She's a character who is in the background of the story, but does turn out to be pretty important on a number of different levels. So I'm going to unpack a few of the things, a few of the functions that I think Lady Catherine has in the text. Um, And if you had to write an essay on Lady Catherine, um, what might be a good way to approach it? Now, the first thing I think that's important with any novel is that you, if you're looking at a character, that you're tracking the character through the novel. Um, and as Lady Catherine only appears a few times, uh, that's actually not too difficult. So, you know, you, you really would probably be expected to cover those key areas where Lady Catherine appears in Pride and Prejudice. Now, at first, Lady Catherine is only mentioned but she is mentioned an awful lot by Mr. Collins um, because Mr. Collins has turned up at Longbourn. Um, He is the clergyman in the parish um, of Lady Catherine. So Lady Catherine owns a lot of land and as the primary landowner in the area, she gets the right to kind of hire and fire the local vicar. Um, So Collins has hit the jackpot, as it were, um, in his eyes. He's got this great living next to this great lady. And of course, uh, he's absolutely obsessed with her. And if you played bingo um, for every time he mentioned Lady Catherine de Bourgh, you know, you'd be on to a winner. So our introduction to Lady Catherine really comes through Mr. Collins's um, extremely hyperbolic flattery of her um, and the fact that he's always talking about Lady Catherine de Bourgh. So much so that when he proposes to Elizabeth Bennet in chapter 19, um, his reasons for doing so are chiefly because Lady Catherine has told him that he needs to marry. She said, you must marry Mr. Collins. Um, He even quotes her in his proposal. Uh, It's not the best way to win over a woman's heart. Um, and Elizabeth certainly isn't impressed by it. Now it's kind of a caricature, Collins is a caricature, Lady Catherine is a caricature and, and how do the caricatures function? Well caricatures are exaggerated characters usually for the purpose of um, comedy and humour in the novel um, and that's certainly true. What we see in Lady Catherine um, and in Collins's um, adoration of his um, patroness, we do see an exaggerated um, sort of satirical view of Austen's society. Um, Because the fact was in Austen's day, um, the nobility, so Lady Catherine's title marks her as a member of the nobility. Um, People in Lady Catherine's rank were very much looked up to by others um, and held to be the, the top of society. Lady Catherine is probably in the top 1% um, of the population in terms of social status. So that's how high up she is. Um, And Austen is kind of poking fun at the fact that um, her society is so in awe of of titles, um, particularly when a title means so little about a person's character. Now, this is the key thing, that the key point that I think Austen is trying to make. Austin feels that 
the reason you should respect a person is because of their character, their moral character and their values, how they behave. Um, And just because someone has a title doesn't mean they're worthy of respect. Um, And actually, Lady Catherine, as we meet her later, becomes an example of really bad behavior um, that Austin doesn't condone. So she's she's satirizing the fact that people um, are very fickle, they love a title, they love um, rank and pomp and circumstance, but actually, you know, there's more important things about about how to judge another person. Um, and just because someone has a title doesn't mean they should have a free pass to say and do whatever they like. So the satire of Lady Catherine, it is funny um, the way that Collins acts fawning over her, um, but it's also indicating a more important message that Austen is giving about, you know, questioning what her society holds as important. Now, this is further developed when Elizabeth actually visits Collins. Um, after his marriage to Charlotte, um, Elizabeth goes to Hunsford and then obviously she gets to see for herself and meet Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Now, at this point in the novel, um, the shift into the environment of Hunsford shows all the things that um, Collins was talking about. You know, Lady Catherine lives in, in Rosings Park, this very formal uh, quite dry um, area um, which is very intimidating architecturally um, and it's right next to Hunsford where Collins lives with his wife Charlotte and of course um, Lady Catherine or Anne de Berg drive by and everybody rushes out to wave and greet them um, and then when Lady Catherine condescends to invite them for dinner um, Collins is absolutely over the moon. Now it's interesting to note that it is a bit of a last resort for Lady Catherine to invite Collins because it says that basically she invites him over for dinner when no one else is available. Um, and Collins obviously finds this very flattering. Um, but the irony is, is Lady Catherine's just bored um, and wants a bit of company and people to make up numbers to play cards. Um, but Collins is quite happy with that. Now, it's it's an interesting contrast with um, Elizabeth Bennet arriving at Hensford and meeting Lady Catherine because Collins makes comments like, you know, don't worry um, if, if your clothes are not that smart. You know, Lady Catherine likes to have the distinction of rank preserved. Um, in other words, she wants you to, to know your place as a mere commoner before her. Um, she doesn't want you to look too smart, too, too well dressed. Um, but Elizabeth's very unbothered. And I think Elizabeth reflects... Austin's opinions about these these titled people, you know, what's all the fuss about? Um, is Lady Catherine really so so great? And of course, Elizabeth, when she meets Lady Catherine, um, sees right through her, um, sees how rude she is, how she talks without any intermission, how she delights in sallying forth into her community to correct her parishioners. Um, she instructs Charlotte minutely on her domestic affairs. Um, she interferes really and meddles with everybody's lives and that is probably due to the fact that she's bored um but basically as the lady of the parish she feels she has the right to interfere with other people's lives um and austin shows that to be a very misplaced um opinion now lady catherine then becomes important for other reasons because she does 
criticize Elizabeth's family um, and she expresses shock that Elizabeth hasn't had a governess. Um, she criticizes Elizabeth's piano playing and very rudely sort of suggests to her that she can go and practice in um, uh, the companion for Anne's uh, room. You know, she would be in nobody's way back there. Um, you know, she, she's extremely rude and even in front of Darcy. And this is where it gets interesting because having obviously witnessed Elizabeth's family embarrassing her, we now get to see Darcy's family embarrassing him. Uh, Darcy is not exempt with all of his social rank um, from his own art, aren't really embarrassing him too. And of course, the other important thing is while um, thrown into Darcy's company at Rosings uh, while she's staying at Hunsford, and um, this obviously uh, catalyzes, uh, becomes a catalyst for Darcy's first proposal in chapter 34, which occurs at Hunsford when he calls in on Elizabeth when she's too ill to go to Lady Catherine's dinner. Now, that obviously um, catapults the narrative into a new direction, um, but in that first proposal, what is really notable is that Darcy speaks very much as a member of the upper class. Um, he constantly reminds Elizabeth of her humble origins in contrast to his. And then, of course, when Elizabeth refuses him, um, he starts to get angry and refers to the inferiority of her connections. Now, having met Lady Catherine, we can kind of understand how Darcy's been brought up himself you know she's his aunt after all so if that's what he's grown up with he certainly would be keenly aware of the social distinction between himself um, and the Bennett family but what's remarkable in chapter 34 is that Elizabeth um, holds her ground she isn't scared or intimidated by Darcy's social position not even by the temptation of securing a good financial future for herself and her family um, but she really turns Darcy down on principle um, because he has ruined the happiness of her sister Jane um, and for his actions, what she believes that he's done um, against Mr Wickham. And it's only when those things kind of get cleared up that Elizabeth is freer to consider Darcy seriously as a potential partner. But what's interesting with Lady Catherine is that much later than in the story in chapter 56, um, Lady Catherine hears um, of some kind of rumour of Darcy and Elizabeth's engagement. Now, at the time in chapter 56 that she hears this, this is long after Darcy has proposed and obviously he's been turned down. So it's a kind of ironic um, visit anyway, because she's really behind the time she, she, she didn't obviously know about that proposal and she didn't know that Elizabeth refused either. She's heard of the scandal of Wickham and Lydia's elopement and she's absolutely incensed at the idea that a nephew of hers would be allied with such a family. Are the shades of Pemberley to be thus polluted are her words and she's specifically referring to how awful it would be for Lydia and Wickham to ever you know dare to step foot on um, Darcy's Derbyshire estate. Now, what's interesting in chapter 56, Elizabeth continues her um, strength of character in refusing to be bullied by Lady Catherine. Um, she refuses to answer many of her questions. She finally has to admit that she isn't engaged to Darcy, which by this point she's quite disappointed about because um, she really wishes he'd propose again. Um, but when Lady Catherine asks her, 
to um, basically promise never to enter into an engagement, Elizabeth point blank refuses to do that um, and says that she can only act in the way that will secure her own happiness and not with regard to Lady Catherine. Um, And that assertion of Elizabeth's equality um, is really remarkable in the novel and it shows Elizabeth's maturity. She's really come to full maturity here. Um, she says of Darcy, you know, he is a gentleman. I am a gentleman's daughter. So far we are equal. And the simplicity of her language there um, beautifully embodies Austen's viewpoint about, you know, the reality of social rank and how character is so much more important and compatibility and love and affection in a marriage rather than Lady Catherine's proposed betrothal of her daughter Anne with Darcy, when Darcy seems to show absolutely no interest in his cousin uh, whatsoever. Lady Catherine in this scene very much represents the old order, you know, the old um, upper class um, arranging betrothals between their children to secure their family line. Um, And, you know, Lady Catherine's arguments are the fortune on both sides is splendid you know they're made for one another but of course that has absolutely no relation to their personalities and and whether they actually like each other so she represents this old way of thinking Elizabeth represents this modern um kind of new assertion of the need for happiness in marriage not just as a financial security uh blanket as it were so in this scene I think Austin's doing several things. Firstly, she's contrasting the old traditional way of viewing marriage with a much better one, what Austin feels is the ideal. But also it's a marker point for how much Darcy has changed because obviously the first proposal Darcy um, revealed how important connections were. But after Elizabeth's reproof that he hadn't really behaved even like a gentleman, Darcy radically changes and we see him welcoming the gardeners to Pemberley in chapter 43 and 44. We see um, him intervening to rescue Lydia by basically paying Wickham to marry her and that would have involved him going into all kinds of dodgy parts of London to find them. Um, and dealing with Mrs Young, who he'd had so much problems with, with his own sister, Georgiana. Um, Darcy shows that willingness um, to put to to one side and put to rest all of his um, snobbery or prejudice about Elizabeth's social ranking. And so Lady Catherine's protests in chapter 56 actually serve to show how far Darcy's come, the fact that that's no longer the obstacle for Darcy. Darcy's obstacle is that he no longer believes Elizabeth could care for him, basically because she refused him so vehemently and said, you know, you're the last man on earth I would ever marry. It's only when Elizabeth tells this to Lady Catherine and refuses to promise never to be engaged to him that Darcy then has hope. And ironically, in exactly the opposite outcome she wanted, Darcy then hears that Elizabeth's refused to promise never to get engaged to him, thinks he's in with a chance and quickly comes back to Longbourn, um, in which case they're finally able to have a conversation where he basically proposes for a second time and they do get engaged. So Lady Catherine um, functions in this in this great way in the plot to bring about the final union of Elizabeth and Darcy. 
Um, but I think Austin's using Lady Catherine to represent some of these old-fashioned views about social ranking that Austin feels are outdated um, and really should should not be used to judge a person. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.